How many here uh, don't like roller coasters, but you go on them? How many of you have bungee jumped, and you didn't like it, but you liked it? Nancy, Bonnie, why did you jump out of that airplane last year? Did you feel excited? Why did you do it? Bonnie girl, why did you do it? It was fun. I want you to think for a moment about those things that you are afraid of doing. Even you saw Shelly today. She was afraid of doing something, but she did it. Can you identify with something like that in your life? That's what God wants you to experience with the Holy Spirit and walking with him, letting him be Lord of your life. He wants you to take your fear and to press into the Holy Spirit. God wants to reveal himself to you. Jesus Christ has left the Holy Spirit on deck for us. He is the present representative of the Godhead who is working in the world. He's always working undercover because we can't see him, and yet we see the manifestations of what he does every day around us. Will you all stand with me right now? I want to lead us in a prayer. And I want you to pray along this prayer with me. I want you to, uh, right now, even if you are afraid of what the Holy Spirit might say to you, or afraid of what the Holy Spirit might do through you, I want you to step into that fear just like you would step into that thing that you're fearful of, but yet you know you've got to do it. And pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I ask you, right now, to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, fill me to overflowing. Push away all my fears. Release a new excitement in my life. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Okay, guys in the back, I'm switching. Boy, this is a, one of those rough Sundays. Two messages. I'm not sure which one I want to do. I felt like Deanna, what she got from God uh, a week ago Friday was profound. You know, we always think about Abraham dying, uh, you know, dying to himself when, you know, he's losing, he's going to have to give up his son. We think of that as like, oh my, you know, the son. But it is such a profound spiritual revelation of what she said. That for Abraham to be free, he had to sacrifice his son. I think I just made my decision. This is my new message. John eight thirty five and 36. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You can forget the PowerPoint because it's not going to work. Absolute freedom. We know that Jesus Christ died for our sins to separate us from, from Satan, the God of this world. All the lies, all the uh, misunderstandings, all the twisting of truth that Satan does to separate us from God. Title of this new message is Sacrificing and Dying to What God Has Promised. In 2 Corinthians 4.11 it says, We believers are always delivered to death, that the spirit life of God may be manifested, made evident in our mortal body.
That means everything that you're going through, everything that comes against you, God is going to turn it around for your spiritual good. He's going to turn it around to grow you spiritually, to give you insights above and beyond what this natural world can give you. He's going to give you a hedge on everything the world is going to do. And in the end, you're going to be with God. There's a lot of dying that takes place in the life of a believer so that they can keep living free. Abram has a promise of a son to be an heir. Back in those days, if you didn't have a son, you were nobody. You had no inheritance to give anything to. It was, it was a marked thing to have a son, an heir, to give everything to. God knew that. Remember, we talked about Abraham in the last couple of weeks that God changed his whole life. There was a dynamic change in his life. He left his father's house. When he started hearing from God, he like threw everything away that he, he knew. He put everything behind him and he started focusing on his relationship with the living God. He realized that however God was going to train and teach him was going to be the most profound thing that he could live for and should live for. In Genesis 18:14, God delivers an original promise. Get this, because this is profound in how he starts out. God says to Abraham, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. This is at the get-go. This is at the deliverance of that promise that he was going to have a son. You read back there, we know, and most of you have heard this so many times, Abraham and Sarah were barren. They were getting older in their life, and they were barren, and yet God promises them a son. God gives a promise. How many of you have received a prophetic word, a prophetic thought, something God's downloaded into your heart as a promise, and you have not seen it come to pass? Anybody waiting for something? Have you ever gotten discouraged because you don't see that prophetic promise, that word come to pass? Yes. Thank you. You're tracking with me. Sacrifice involves giving what God said back to him. Again, what Deanna said, Abraham had to sacrifice his son to experience a freedom that God wanted for, for him to have. I never realized before that Abraham was a slave. And he became a slave to his promise. Those of you who have had prophetic words that haven't come to pass are a slave to that promise. And the enemy, the enemy of your soul, Satan... He is using that promise often to separate us. Because every time we don't see the word of God coming to pass, the enemy uses it and twists it. What did he say to Eve in the beginning? When God said, in the day you eat that fruit, you're going to die. You're going to bring death into the earth. What did he say to her? Surely you are not going to die. Oh my, a twist, a deception. Again, he's trying to separate us from the promiser. Sacrifice means to let go of the promises God gives us, including the prophetic words. Things that you see in the Bible that jump out in your heart and you know it's a promise God is giving to you. Trust God even if it means we might lose the promise. Oh, that's hard. Think of giving up that promise. The very thing God promises you, he's wanting you to give it back to him. He's wanting you to surrender what he's promised so that he can really do what he wants to do in your life. And my life too. It is quite normal for us to manipulate and to attempt to help God. Anybody ever did that? The Bible is filled with stories of people just like you and me who manipulated, twisted, did things to try to make God's plan, God's blessing happen in a, in a more timely matter. 
It's nice to have the word of God and the promises, but I tell you, inside of us, we want to be God. We want to be in control. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience. I want to be God. There's lots of those good stories. And we talk about freedom. Freedom has to do with having our heart free and open, connected to God. That is the most important freedom there is, our relationship with God. Any other freedom is temporal. It's uh, maybe temporarily pleasing to us, but it's not true freedom. Love, peace, and relationship flow when we are trusting and connected to him. I'm reading a lot of these things because I, I just downloaded it yesterday morning. It was one of those changes that God did to me. What God promises are not happening. Again, those things where you raise your hand about, hey, you promised God, but they're not happening. And again, the prophetic. So often, it says in, in the New Testament about don't despise prophecy. Why do we despise prophecy? Because sometimes we hear so many prophetic word that we don't see them come to pass. And so we throw it all out. God, don't talk to me anymore. I don't want to hear from you anymore. You haven't done a number of things you said. I don't want to hear. And so we begin to despise prophecy. We don't want to hear from God. We get angry at God. What about when it seems like the promise has died? Anybody feel like your promise died? Maybe you have kids. Maybe you have people you've been praying for. You feel like that promise is dead. Again, disappointment and doubt separate us from God, the promiser, the originator of the promise. See how the enemy's working? Our own understanding, our own perception about God's timing begins to separate us because we don't see God doing what he says he's going to do. And we step into this place of unbelief. And there becomes a separation between our faith and trust and our active connection with God to that place where it's, it's not happening so our own mind, will, and emotions begin to pull our heart away from God. We begin to build our walls with God. We can even be religious, read our Bible, take our time every day because we know we're going to go to heaven. We know it's what we should do. But we've separated our heart from him because we don't see the promise coming to pass. We rehearse what happened or what could have been and we become distracted from the reality of God and we get stuck. Me and Dory have rehearsed so many different things in this church and seeing people who had a prophetic word in their life, a prophetic call to serve God, a prophetic call to surrender the life and let God use them for leadership. And we have gone over and over and talked about, well, what did we do? Could we have done anything different? Could we have adjusted this situation? Or could we have said this to that person? What could we have done? And I saw in my own self how I have stepped back in certain ways from God because I'm trying to figure out why the prophetic promise hasn't happened when I thought it should happen. True freedom is through our faith and belief and trust in God, irregardless of what we see happening around us. And that's what Satan wants to attack. He wants to attack our faith. If he attacks our faith and our trust in God, he's got it. We're done. We are done because we disconnect from relationship and we just become numb. We become robots. 25 years before Abraham's promised son. Again, his time is ticking away. In those 25 years, because he really wanted a son and he believed God. And all, all the way through the Bible it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham tried to fulfill the promise of God himself. But he really was powerless. As we you know, have read his story and heard many times. Abraham created an Ishmael while waiting for God's promise through Hagar. 
that created problems for the whole world, which we are living with today. The promised son was to come through Sarah. Remember that first scripture I read? Reading about Abraham's life reveals how self-effort messes up God's promises and our peace. Again, relationship and trust in God is the most important thing we have in our life. In Romans 4, 18 through 21, God is always looking at faith. He's always pleased with faith. And again, Abraham, again, is always credited with faith. It says, Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Isn't it so different? God is looking at him. God is calling him a man of faith. Uh, his righteousness, you know, was according to his faith. And yet we read and we read the other part of like his natural life. He, he wasn't trusting God because he produced an Ishmael. You know, he, he was manipulating and trying to do all these things, just like we do, our, our, our human efforts, which sometimes the Satan also tells us because we don't have the right feelings or because we're trying to manipulate or do things on our own, Satan tells us, you're not trusting God. You don't believe God. You don't have faith. But we see the stark reality is that if we've accepted Christ, we have faith. Even though we go through times of doubt, even though times we try to do things on our own, there is a deep faith that God looks at and he sees. He looks at our righteousness through Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at all the ups and downs that take us in and out of our relationship with God. And we feel like, oh, one day I'm up and the next day we feel like we leave God. The reality is he has incredible faith in us. He has incredible deposit in us through the Holy Spirit. And though we have those moments where we may be even trying to manipulate or hang on to the promise, God is working in our behalf. But he wants to take us into an incredible place of trust and freedom. And again, that connection in our spirit to spirit, in our heart with him. Again, the promise was to come through Sarah. His self-effort was messing him up. He had real battles with real thoughts and real emotions that we have. Our natural life seems to defy the very promises of God and the very prophetic words that we hold so dear to our hearts. Even though Abraham took matters into his own hands, his heart trusted in God. I want to backtrack a little bit again to Abraham's promise. Genesis eighteen fourteen. Again, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I think we have to go back to those promises that, that you maybe are feeling like have slipped, and maybe you're doubting. Go back and realize there is a timing of God over your life. There's a timing of God over every prophetic word that's ever been spoken to you, and God is the timekeeper of that time. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And really what he's doing, even as you have faith and even as you keep trusting God, even though those promises aren't coming to pass, you are incredibly frustrating Satan. When you stand in your faith and when you keep believing God, when everything in your heart and soul is trying to say, don't believe in God anymore, you are standing in faith and you are 
making all heaven excited. And the angels are wondering, why is that person still happy? Why are they following God? None of those promises are coming to pass. God believes in you. God is the author and finisher of your faith, and he is the originator of those promises, and those promises he's going to bring to pass. Again, we can get frustrated at God's timetable. God, my life is passing away. Can't you fulfill your word? And there's some words that God has spoken to me, and sometimes I try to tell people those words, and I'm realizing now I shouldn't be saying anything. I should be saying, God, you're going to do it in your time. And I should just hold people more loosely and let God work in their life. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, makes everything beautiful in its time. That promise, that promise that you, you feel is slipping away in God's perfect timing. He is going to make that beautiful present and that promise. And he's going to bring it to you. Sacrifices, uh, sacrifice the promise God gives you. God tests our hearts and our, the prior, priority of, of really who's first. In Genesis 22, 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Okay, he finally got the promise. And he said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. That was Abraham's response. Genesis 22, 2. And that's another thing too. Okay, finally, 25 years, right? He waits for the promise. He gets the promise. And even when you get that promise, it's going to bring another whole world of responsibilities with it. How many of you have received something you wanted, promised by God, and now you realize you have even more things to deal with? Yes. And then maybe sometimes that's why we don't ask for things because we're afraid the responsibility is going to come with it. But, but if we realize we are partnering with God and he is actively, and if everything he wants to do, he's going to empower us to go through it. Even though we're going to have, again, those anxious feelings. Like those girls, before they jumped out of that airplane, they had that nervousness. And yet there was something in them compelling them to jump out of that airplane. That's the same thing. God wants us to follow him and follow the Holy Spirit in the same way. To learn to live with a little bit of nervousness because you're putting yourself right where the Holy Spirit wants you. You're not doing the norm. You're not even doing the religious thing. You're on the edge of that boat. You're stepping out there. You're walking on the water. You're in that place of seeing the impossible begin to happen. Here's Genesis 22 two. Then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Oh, my. The very thing you want, the very thing you give. Again, God is checking. Remember, he's being tested. God's checking what is really the priority. Sometimes, you know, we come to God and we want something. And when we get it, we walk away. Ever did that in a place in your life where you got what you wanted and you went, maybe went away for a season, you walked away from God? I did that. Man, I prayed for 10 years for Dory. And when she came, I went through a real season of, okay, I got what I want. Uh, God, thank you. Uh, went to church still and everything and really was trying to get all my needs met from her, you know. All, all of really what only God can fill, I was trying to get from someone else. And it took me probably a good three years of my marriage, three to five years of my marriage to really come back and surrender that promise back to God and see how God began to work marriage in a way that was pleasing to him and beneficial to both of us. Look at your promise. Think again of that prophetic word you've gotten. Feel it. 
that I'm asking today that you let go of it. If you have to write it on a piece of paper today, you have to throw it in the fire or flush it down the toilet, that you give that promise back to God. Only in dying to that promise and putting it back in God's hands can he give it back to you. And can God begin taking that place in your life where he can love you and he can meet those deep, deep needs that no one else can meet. Some of us are running 100 miles an hour trying to fill something, and the only thing that's going to fill it is Jesus Christ. It's, it's a God hole that the love of God and the relationship with God wants to fill and plug. And out of that, things are going to be better. And the things that you once thought were important, they may fall away. You may, you may have yourself getting rid of things. You think, man, why? I used to, I used to be the biggest thing I wanted. Why? Because really something fills that place. Something fills that place and continually satisfies like nothing else. That's why we got crazies through history who sold all and, and left all. My favorite quote, I haven't thrown at you in maybe a couple of years. In the late 50s, there was a man called, what was his name? It just flew out of my mind. Oh, Jim Elliott. You know, he was killed by the Aka Indians. He was a missionary pilot. Big story, movies out about him. I was in the Baptist church in the 50s when that came out. It was just a devastating news that hit, that hit the, the body of Christ. That, you know, this man, had, his family had just dedicated themselves to preach the gospel to the Aka Indians. But he had this incredible quote. He said, he is no fool. He gives up. Who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose? Obedience. Genesis 22, 10 through 12. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not slay your hand. Do not lay your hand on your lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham did not withhold giving back that promise that God had given him. He finally let go of that promise. Hebrews 10.23 says, He who promised is faithful. So when the promise doesn't come to pass, what are you going to do? Are you going to be disillusioned with God? Is your heart going to close down? And are you going to like give God like your pouty face or your pouty heart? You know, over the last couple of years, I felt in some ways I got cold towards God because, God, you sent us down here to do this. And we need people to do it. We need leaders who are going to, you know, pick up their cross and forget this world so they can see people healed and changed. But just like, you know, the word of God, there was people that Jesus saw. There was that rich young ruler that he was offering to come and be a follower. And he said, give up everything and you're going to have everything. And the rich young ruler, you know that story, went away sad. He was happy until the moment he saw Jesus because he was tracking spiritually and, and he was excited and he, he was excited about hearing Jesus. But when Jesus gave him that challenge of what it was going to cost him to have everything, it was too much. And so um, part of my heart had been pulling back and I found like, Deanna, when what you said, it hit me so hard this Friday that Abraham was freed when he was get when he gave up what he wanted 
And I felt like I had a moment that where I gave up people and prophetic and things I haven't seen happen. And, hey, my heart, I'm, I'm enveloped with God. I, I'm, I've given everything I can in my heart to follow God and see him change people's lives. And so I have a little buy-in. Remember when you give your life, you get a little possessive and you get a little controlling. You want to see happen, things happen a little, a little quicker, you know. And I ask forgiveness for, for letting that promise come between him and I. For believing that, you know, because people weren't buying into the call of God, like it was my fault. And when I surrendered those promises, when I surrendered every prophetic promise, I, and I just went through a list of people, of words that had come over them, of impressions that God had put on my heart even before they got prophetic words, and I surrendered them back to God. And I felt like I connected back with God in a way that was like separated because again in my natural mind i'm thinking well here's your promise and then here's what's happening and i realized another thing dory reminded me she said the promises that god has given us personally for our lives he he has fulfilled those promises i mean he made a way for us to come down here He, he did so many things in my life and i started writing down what he did to to get me to this place even uh, when we start our, our eldership process in 91, we, our first thing was we did a, a, a biblical catechism class that our pastor had made, the whole doctrine, major doctrines of the Bible. We, we got to do that class with them. It was like, a, again, on-the-job training of, of how to teach the Word. And it was incredible. We had incredible friendships and people who were spiritually inputting into our life. And then I re- started realizing there's a lot of promises God did for me. You know what, what bothered me, though? is people that you love and care about that you have no control over. Those are the prophetic promises that are harder to let go because you love them so much. And so you want to get involved and you want to, maybe sometimes you even beat them with the Bible and you're, you're trying to press them into the will of God, but God has to work it in them. God has to work on their hearts. God has to reveal himself to them in such a way that that promise could come to pass. And I love how God is so faithful to take care of each one of us. So will you stand? I want us to end a little bit earlier today so we can kind of start doing our signups. But will you stand? And uh, if maybe you have a, maybe today you have something you're hanging on to and you just need an altar moment where you say, God, this is killing me. I want this to happen, but I don't even know how to give it to you. It's okay. You don't have to have your emotions right. You don't have to have your head right. It's even coming back and saying, I want to give this to you because I no longer want this promise to separate you. I never want, I don't want distance anymore between our relationship. I'm just going to pray and then whatever you need to do. Lord, we come to you. We thank you that you are the incredible promiser. God, you're a good God. It says every good gift that comes down from you, from heaven, from our father of light. There's no variable. There's no, there's no shadow of turning. And we want to give you um, back promises today. We want to give you back the word that you give to us. We don't want our heart encumbered about any longer about how or when it's going to come to pass, but we want to trust you. We want to be able to say, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come just like it is in heaven. So let it be on earth in Jesus name.